Welcome to session 181 of the Scanner School podcast. Today we're going to talk about repurposing your old analog scanner. I've got 10 things you can do with that old radio right now to help, I don't know, maybe knock some of the dust off of it and help you enjoy it again. So stick around and we'll get through that list momentarily. Today's podcast is sponsored by our two brand new training courses, our free SDR course, the Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Software Defined Radio will get you started with SDRs in an afternoon. We will show you what hardware and accessories to buy to get started with Software Defined Radio. Then we'll show you the step-by-step how-to to install the drivers, tune your first frequency with SDR Sharp, and then have you monitoring digital at the end of this free course. Our advanced course continues with beginner's course left off and levels up your SDR experience. In this course, you'll learn even more about software-defined radio. We will show you how you can substitute an SDR for your high-end digital scanner, how to monitor HD radio, monitor trunk systems and overhead data with Unitrunker, and even how to monitor all the talk groups on a system and never miss a beat with SDR trunk. You can sign up for both courses at courses.scannerschool.com. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Bill K, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pasco, David C, Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Eddie K, Edward Bramlett, Evan Barkak, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jay Haycock, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, John Keel, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Ronnie Black, Saad Marandola, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazek, Todd Glendie, Tom Barrick, and William R. Kant. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and we are here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. So today I am talking about old analog-only scanners. So two weeks ago, we talked about the Uniden BR330T, and it kind of Help me remember what it was I liked so much about that radio. And I got to thinking, it's a shame I haven't been using that much more. I mean, why is it sitting in a box? It was one of my favorite radios. And and um, why am I not using it the way I used to use it? Well, I mean, first of all, 
I found other radios. I mean, I've, I've bought so many other radios since then. But we're talking about what happens if your area went fully digital, right? And you still have your old analog radios floating around. So not everything we're going to talk about today is going to apply to every single analog radio because you can't really lump them all together, right? There's a huge difference between a Radio Shack Pro 2006 and a Uniden BCT-15X, right? They just don't do the same things. Even the frequencies they cover aren't exactly the same, but you can be able to use most of this list on the older scanners. So... I mean, I think maybe one or two things you really can't do that I've got listed here on something that's that's as old as a, as a Pro 2004, 2006, you know, et cetera. So, again, 10 simple things that we could do to to really enjoy our old analog scanners once more. And again, if you still live in, in an area that has analog, hey, more power to you. Here's, here's 10 things you can do in addition to what you're doing now with your scanner. But this is a list for all of us who live in an area where P25 and DMR and possibly NXDN are really starting to become where everything is. Not to say that analog isn't dead where I live, but again, you know, some areas... It is that way, right? And and I have a global audience here, and I need to think outside of my own listening area when it comes to content to create. So this list here, I'm kind of just going off the top of my head here. I, I did write down 10 things, but I didn't go into detail because I'm going to go into detail as I talk to you about this right now. So the first thing that we're going to talk about here is the number one thing, if, if you're going to count from 1 to 10, is marine monitoring, right? Now, this is something that anybody can do on any scanner, mobile, handheld, etc., etc. I would recommend, though, at least having an outdoor antenna when doing this. And with it being summertime here in the Northern Hemisphere, this is prime time, right, to start getting out on the water again, right? We, we just had Memorial Day weekend. Actually, as I'm recording this episode, it is Memorial Day. And it's the unofficial start of summer here in the United States. Now, flip side, you know, on the other side of uh, the equator, right? You guys are are finishing up your summertime, right? So this is a little bit too late, but, you know, still still holds uh, some, some practicality to it. So analog, right? The U.S. Coast Guard and all Coast Guard stations, they monitor Channel 16. And that is the international distress frequency, right? 156.8 megahertz. It's a distress safety and calling channel and is typically monitored 24 hours a day by many Coast Guard stations from around the world. Now, what we have to remember, though, is that it's simplex, right? We are not going to hear the boat or the hailing party most of the time, but we will, however, nine times out of 10, hear the Coast Guard if we are within listening range of them, right? Because they have an antenna that's several hundred feet tall and, and, and a good amount of power underneath them as well. Of course, again, it's simplex. They have to be heard. So while channel 16 is the primary channel, they do fall back to other channels. But if you had one radio and you wanted to just listen to something that was going on, right, put in channel 16. If you live near a major body of water that is patrolled by the Coast Guard, then yeah, you should have something to listen to. Even routine messages that come over from the Coast Guard, right? I mean, we've got Mayday, 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 which is a distress call. You've got pawn, 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 which would be an urgent transmission. Again, you'll hear the Coast Guard come over the air and go pawn, pawn, pawn. We have a vessel in distress at coordinates X, Y, Z. All vessels in the vicinity be on the lookout. You'll also have security 
and that's a less urgent of a message as well. But those are the three that you're going to want to listen to. And again, you're typically going to hear the messages come out from the Coast Guard station themselves. So that's one thing that you may want to listen to, right? Again, Marine is also great too because if you do live near fishing channels or so that you may hear boats talk they just they just have conversations amongst themselves right so where i live here we've got you know fishing is big off the southern coast of uh, long island even in the east end and, and in the long island sound and there's charter boats and they all go out and as they drop and let you go fishing the captains all talk amongst themselves sometimes they talk on what they consider to be a discrete frequency which is kind of outside the, the mill um the marine band but again there is something it's analog it's something to listen to again boaters will communicate amongst themselves or they'll yell at each other those kinds of things as well so lots of stuff to listen on the marine band now, again i guess it's not for everybody right i listen to just channel 16 and uh just hear if anything's going on right but uh, but again it's something i could do with an analog scanner Okay, what's the next thing you can do with an analog-only scanner if you're going to repurpose it? Okay, number two, aircraft monitoring, right? I understand some of these aren't going to be a big thing or a big favorite amongst people, but again, aircraft monitoring is one of those things that many people love it. Many people are into it hardcore. So what can you listen to if you're monitoring aircraft? Now, again, aircraft is done a M or amplitude modulation. And there's a lot of stuff to listen to in the aircraft monitoring range of frequencies. Again, off the top of my head, I believe that goes from 116 megahertz up to 129. I think it tops off at 129.9. I think it's where it pops off at. But anyway, so you've got um, you've got tower, right? Which is which is the you know at, at the airport it's air traffic control, right at the tower. You've got departures you've got arrivals you've got ground crews you've got communications air to air between the pilots and one of the big frequencies for that is one two three dot four five one two three dot four it depends where you are right one two three dot four seven five one two three dot four two five those are all big frequencies where i live for a lot of communication between pilots and again, especially if you have pilots to go up there in pairs or uh, school goes up, right? They're all talk on those kinds of frequencies, and it's decent monitoring, right? You you can and you can hear pretty far out too. You may hear you know about some landmarks or about something that happened across town, or you know they're, they're just shooting the breeze as as they're flying for the day. So that's that's something you listen to. I mean, you're not going to hear too many pilots talking amongst each other, but commercial pilots. But when it comes to the private pilots, you you'll hear them a lot. Another thing that's out there too that's a lot of uh, interesting things to listen to is um, you have the typical air traffic zones, right? So you can listen to you know where I am is they consider you know the eastern board I think is is the Long Island sector, but you know we got uh, Long uh, I'm sorry you got New York you got Boston right you got you got all these major hubs where where you've got transmitters, and these are all different zones and it depends on how high the air, the flight is right above a certain amount of thousands of feet below thir- certain thousand uh, feet is the different frequencies and the different routes and the different uh, regions that they would be in. So even late at night, I mean, if it's quiet out and it's not much on the radio, I'll, I'll tune in to, to listen to those kinds of things. And um, they go by very quick, right? It's it's a lightning fast type of thing, but it's something different to listen to. And you have to really 
learn the lingo. It's not something you're going to pick up right away. It's a lot of words, a lot of initials, a lot of numbers. And the more and more you listen to it, the better versed you will get with it. Now, if you want to learn more about monitoring aviation, we have a really great podcast from way back when, and it's in episode number 23. It's Aviation Monitoring with Dave Pascoe. Now, Dave, he owns liveatc.net and is probably the world's largest website when it comes to live feeds for air traffic. So if you want to learn how the air routes work and when planes change through the different types of frequencies, listening back to session number 23 is a great way to do that, to understand how to do that, rather. And again, check out Dave's site, liveatc.net, if you need something to listen to, right? That's outside of your range or if you don't have you know, a, a scanner that will be that will work in the aircraft monitoring. And you want to at least uh, figure out if it's something you want to listen to. So again, that's something really great you can listen to when it comes to an analog-only scanner. So the next thing that's uh, that's there is railroads. Number Railroads is our number three. Now, again, this is not something for everybody kind of thing. For me personally, I don't really listen to the railroads. There's not much out here for me to listen to. We have the Long Island Railroad, which is the main commuter rail that runs through Long Island. And that's it. Amtrak does not run through Long Island. It goes through Penn Station and up the Northeast Corridor here. We have basically one freight that runs through, I guess, every night, really late at night, when Long Island is not using their, their rails for commuter traffic. So there's not really much here of excitement where I live for rails. However, rails are good, especially for me, because my PD is encrypted. I can still then, if I listen to the rails, I can hear the MTA PD, right? And I can also hear the conductors talking back to the freight yards and everything else. And basically, hey, you know, we have a problem here. Somebody jumped out in front of my train or I hit a vehicle or my, you know, I got a car that's derailed, right? These are the kind of things that you can hear over the railroad frequencies. And again, this is in the VHF range. I believe it's the 160 range. And there's definitely some stuff to listen to up there, especially if you live in an area that you do have freight rails running through it because you do have end of train or end of line announcements and a lot of these are automated so as a train crosses over certain mile markers a voice will come over the air and it'll say such and such a line mile marker one two dot three everything okay or hot rail or you know something that lets dispatch know that that line is okay or even something where lets the conductor know that as the last car rolled over, that everything is okay with the train. They don't have a hot wheel or, or something like that. So again, rails are pretty interesting if you live in an area that has decent rail activity. Like again, me, it's just Long Island Railroad, commuter rail, and then late at night, one commercial line that runs through for freight. And that's it. Not Nothing too big here. All right, number four. This was an interesting one. So again, we are heading out of spring and into summer, and that means severe weather, right? So one of the things you can do with your analog-only radio is set it up for a weather alert standby. Now, your money is going to vary quite a bit when it comes to something like this. You're not going to use a very old scanner for weather alert standby, but a newer radio, I'm talking about in the last, I don't know, 15 years ago, typically has a weather alert standby 
in the scanner. So what that means is basically you can put the FIPS code, right, which is the geographical code for your area. Now, again, you can go online. You can find those codes to program into your scanner. And what that will do is when the National Weather Service announces with their subtones, right, there's an alert in your area. Then what happens is it opens up your receiver and it plays the alert. So it's just like a weather alert radio, except instead of going out and buying a weather alert radio, you can repurpose your scanner. Now, a little bonus tip here is this would be something interesting to do when you were done listening for the day. If you're one of these people who actually finishes listening, just go ahead and put your, your scanner into weather alert standby mode instead of turning it off. This way, if any severe weather does happen to come through your neck of the woods, your scanner will alert you that there's something coming. Now, what I like about like the old Home Patrol 1 and the Home Patrol 2 is when you turn off that radio, it can fall back automatically into weather alert standby mode. So again, you always have a weather alert radio. And again, when it comes to seasonal storms, severe weather is is big. I mean, most of the country here suffers from tornado outbreaks, right? And again, even severe weather such as thunderstorms where you have hail and damaging winds and strong gusts, dangerous lightning, those kinds of things, those are also all broadcasts over the NOAA weather radio alerts. So it's not something you want to have on all the time because NOAA weather radio just constantly going, 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 right? It doesn't stop transmissions, right? It's a constant thing. But if you can put your scanner into weather alert standby mode, you don't hear anything until those those alert squawks go out and it matches your FIPS codes and it opens up your scanner so that right the alert comes across. So again, it's life-saving, right? That's, that's one of those things. And I actually talked about it on a much earlier podcast about how I thought that weather alert radios were a life-saving device. And again, in every home, buddy's home should have one, like a fire extinguisher, right? And again, practice what I preach. I had one till it broke. <laughs> it stopped working. And I got a pile of scanners here, and it wouldn't take much for me just to take one of these extra radios that I have floating around here and just use it as a weather alert radio. Especially, you know, if you got plenty like I do, just go ahead and use it. Okay, so number five, it ties into number four. So number five is amateur radio. Now, before you roll your eyes, <laughs> look, I know a lot of people love listening to amateur radio. Some people admit it. You bring it up. They, they just, they go, oh, right? I don't listen to a bunch of people talk. I'm not talking about listening to people talk, right? Amateur radio, I'm talking about in an emergency situation here. Your weather alert radio just went off, right? You just listened to what was going on. Okay, severe weather coming through, tornado, you know, tornadoes, uh, whatever. What's the next thing you want to do here? Well, why don't you fire up the scanner and tune to the local Skywarn frequency? Skywarn is basically a bunch of trained volunteers who know what to look for when it comes to severe weather, and then they report in that weather activity. Now, they can do it via phone number, or there's also, I believe, an email address and a web chat for the National Weather Service. But when it comes to amateur radio, what usually happens is you'll get a bunch of people who go out and they spot what's going on. They'll relay it back to a net control, and then the net control is feeding information, 
And sometimes you'll actually have somebody else running in parallel with NetControl who will call up periodically to this weather service and say, okay, we have reports of hail of a of pea size in this town. We have reports of downed trees in such and such a town. We have reports of flash flooding in this vicinity, right? So, so the net control is taking all the information and then somebody else is relaying that information also to the National Weather Service. Wouldn't it be great to hear that live as it happens, right? Instead of catching it on the news. No, this is real time. And you can sometimes track the storm town by town if you're listening to Skywarn because you'll hear, okay, we have hail here in this town. And then the next town will say, okay, we've got hail here now. And the, you know, the first town reported in, in might say, all clear, right? And you can see just how fast the storm rolls through. Or you can see just how how condensed and how powerful the storm is because we've seen it here countless times where you may get rain in some town, but two, three miles away, there's down trees left and right. And it could be a microburst, right? So that's where Skywarn really can help you understand what is going on in your neck of the woods. I say a lot, don't I? Neck of the woods. Anyway, so... It ties into the weather. So again, it's all done analog, usually VHF, UHF, and the amateur radio bands. And if things really do hit the fan, say you've got a natural disaster and they have to activate Aries or Races, then you start getting the coordination. You know, amateur radio operators will then volunteer their time and their own hardware and resources to staff and man certain evacuation facilities, such as Red Cross shelters fire departments and, and stuff like that. They'll actually work as communication liaisons as well. So knowing the Skywarn frequencies and the frequencies for Aries and Races are beneficial when it comes to having an analog scanner. Now, not to leave anybody out here, but also on the GMRS side as well, there is React, and uh, they, they've got a, a pretty well-established group as well. And again, GMRS operates in the UHF band here in the states but again we're talking the global right we're talking all over the place so skywarn i'm sure there's other types of skywarn and aries races facilities globally that also operate on amateur radio so on the other side of this break we're going to cover the last five things on my list here and don't forget if you're a patreon supporter at the three or five dollar level this break is not for you you don't hear this all right we'll catch you on the other side of the break did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. 
This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers, having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly phil at eastcoastpagers.com do you have a new scanner you're having problems understanding how it works maybe you're new to the entire home patrol database of programming and you can't figure out sentinel did you get a new sdr and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use unitrunker dsd plus maybe set up a pieware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works the podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com consulting. For your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit NatComMag. Dot com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Okay, so let's get to the last five on this list with, uh, I guess we'll start with number six here. Fire toneouts. Now, this is something that does require a little bit of setup, but no knowledge on how to set it up. Okay, don't let this fool you. You do not need to know the tones that go out over the air in order to set up your scanner. I believe we talked about this on a much, much earlier podcast as well. And going through my notes here, that was session 20. So what we could talk about here is the way this works is on many fire systems, right? You've got a two-tone page, right? An A-B tone, sometimes a long tone. And what happens is you get AB for chiefs and AC for whoever, and AD for the next company, right? And it's a way of the volunteer fire departments to alert their members that there is an active call. 
Now, I'm talking about this now because some departments, many departments, are moving over to full P25. And all the dispatching is done there and all the communications are done there, right? But they still carry around their old analog pagers. So they keep the old VHF or UHF frequency strictly for paging use. This is where your scanner comes in handy. So if you still have an old analog scanner that supports fire tone out, you can set up your scanner to act as a pager. So here's the trick here, though. Your scanner must be in fire tone out standby mode in order for it to work. You cannot use fire tone out mode while the scanner is monitoring anything else or scanning. It's got to, it's got to be in that mode. So what happens if you don't know the AB tones that go out for your department? Well, all you do is you just put the dispatch frequency in and you just hit it to standby mode. The first time a tone pair goes out, your scanner will display those two tones on the display. If you recognize those tones as being for your department, you can press enter and it will self-program those two tones in. When the next two tones come over, same thing happens. And you can then go ahead and hit enter and save those tones in your scanner as well. Now your scanner is set up for fire tone out alert. Again, all you have to do is when you set up fire tone alert, leave it set to zero, zero and put your dispatch frequency in and off you go. So again, this will allow you to duplicate a fire pager with your scanner. Now, again, I do sell fire pagers over at East Coast Pagers, and I would never recommend something to somebody that I didn't think they needed. So, again, I love having a fire pager in my scan reader collection because I don't use it as a scanner. I can record audio, and it beeps and alerts, and it's loud. I can wear my belt, and it's small in a scanner, whereas I'm not putting my desktop scanner on my belt, and it doesn't record audio, but... If you just want something to alert you that something is going on in your town, a scanner in fire tone out alert is a great way of doing it and also to repurpose your scanner radio. Okay, number seven. This one's an interesting one. News and media. Now, a lot of news and media are all still in the clear. They're all analog, right? And, and it takes a lot to have something like news and media change things because they like to stick with what works and what works well. So here where I am, we have, I'm not just the outside of New York City, so we got some of the big networks here. And what I've noticed is they leave a broadcast link up at all times for some of the major TV channels. So in the old days, we used to be able to take your scanner and, and listen to the analog voice audio broadcast of a TV channel, right? Now everything's gone to digital TV. Those days are gone. But some of these TV channels up in the 450 range where I am will rebroadcast the audio to the TV channel. So if you miss those old days of listening to the TV, you can still do it. Search around the business band and see if your local TV stations are broadcasting the audio channel over another frequency. A lot of them are doing it here. So just a hint. Another thing you can listen to here is traffic. You will hear the traffic copters up in the air giving their reports several times during rush hour. Many helicopters wear many hats and they will go from radio station to radio station to radio station giving the same traffic report. And uh, you'll hear them get queued in. They'll do the thing and then they'll move on to the next 
So it's very interesting to listen to some of these uh, traffic helicopters. And again, it's nothing like getting the the traffic and information how many times, right? You're not listening for every 10 minutes. You're getting it constantly as they go through their routines. Uh, another cool thing to listen to are the IFB links, right? These are the links between, like, say, the director and the field. And it's very interesting to listen to. So you'll hear camera one go, camera three go, you know, uh, bring in so-and-so. I enjoy listening to the IFB links and the director's feeds uh, for the Times Square event, right? There's the Rockin' New Year, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's at a Times Square. And for many years, I used to listen to it. And then for a couple of years, they disappeared. And then last year, it was back. So I, I would love listening to that because you can sit there and you can watch it on TV. And if you're not watching it on a delayed feed, as you're listening to the director, you're basically watching TV happen. And it's really interesting too, that some of the stuff that they are showing you at night, for example, during New Year's Eve was actually recorded as soon as it got dark out. So sometimes around six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, they're going out and recording the filler shots, such as the kiss cams and interviews with the audience and stuff like that. They're not doing that at night when it's 11 o'clock, 11.30. No, that, that's all pre-roll. That's all just rolled in there, and they're really not doing much if you, if you actually listen to the director's feeds on major events like that. Now, again, getting into it as well, you've got when you have sports and stuff like that, you may be able to listen to some of the things like that as well when it comes to it. I have a coworker of mine who was not too far out from the Meadowlands where – there was the you know the Meadowlands Stadium way back in the day, and the the Jets and Giants would play out there, and and he would be able to listen to all the stuff all day long on uh, on Sundays. So there's a lot of stuff you can listen to when it comes to news and media, especially in an analog scanner day. All right, getting down to the end of the list here, number eight, shopping shopping malls, department stores, right. Look, if you dread shopping with your spouse as much as I do, you need something to keep you entertained. And while you're lugging 25 bags of clothes <laughs> from different department stores, I'm lucky. She she just uses Amazon, spends just as much money. But listen, it's one of these deals that can give you some enjoyment while you're out and about, right? And think about it. When you walk into any department store, what do they have on their belt? When it comes to Target and, and, and the drugstores and electronic chains, they've all got FRS radios on their belts, right? It's how they communicate. Bringing in a scanner, right? And you know FRSs are all analog. And there are some bubble packs radios now that are spread spectrum digital, right? But again, for the most part, there's still a lot of activity to listen to when it comes to analog monitoring. So... You get to hear clean up on aisle four or can I get an inventory check and so-and-so or hey, can somebody check with the manager on this or a price check on that? Sometimes you'll get, hey, look at so-and-so in aisle five or we've got a crazy down here in section section C. I don't know, right? So there's a lot of interesting things that you can listen to when it comes to bringing a scanner around with you when you shop, even if you just wait down the parking lot. Speaking of waiting out in the parking lot, drive-throughs are big when it comes to what you can listen to in an analog scanner as well. For example, Chick-fil-A nationwide pretty much uses FRS radios. 
And there's some great stuff you can listen to when it comes to that as well, such as we're out of lids for this size cup of soda. Don't let anybody order a large cup of soda. Some stuff like that, right, will go over. Or, hey, we are running short on this or what's taking so long in drive through or crazy stuff like that. So, again, a lot of stuff you can listen to analog only when it comes to shopping and going out with the family and getting food and just enjoying a weekend, right? Okay, number nine. I've said time and time again, the secrets are in the searches. You never know what's out there, right? Now, this could have been number 10, but I got a bone to pick with number 10, which is why now it's number 10. So with number nine, the secrets are in the searches, search and close calls. Pretty simple. You can put your scanner in the search mode, You can put it into close call mode. Just see what's close to you, right? See what is around you. Even if it's your your scanner on your desk, you never know. All of a sudden, the neighbor kids could end up with FRS radios and you can listen to what you're doing. Or somebody discovered CB radio. Somebody got their GMRS license or their amateur radio license. You don't know, right? Close call is a really cool thing to play around with. Even something as simple as Somebody got dispatched onto your street and and you can see them key up. Even just running a search and knocking out the birdies and the known frequencies and stuff like that. It's something that you can do with an analog scanner. Yeah, you may hear some digital stuff in there, but again, you may hear a lot of analog that you didn't realize was out there. And some of it may be interesting. And again, discovering who it is and figuring it out and listening to it and trying to determine who it is is a a lost art when it comes to the scanner radio hobby. It is something that we need to hone our skills on. Now, again, understand it's not for everybody. Some people just like to go on, listen to their their five or six frequencies or talk groups they enjoy listening to, right? We're talking about something that can be done with an analog scanner to kind of dust it off and get you using again to keep it warm, right? And there's other things we could talk about here as well before we get into number 10, right? There's other things you can do with a scanner that many people do enjoy doing trying to just go through federal, which again is, is starting to turn a lot of uh, P25 and digital and encryption. I left out mill air when I talk about aviation, right? There's, there's a whole community of people who enjoy mill air monitoring, even military, right? There's a lot you can do when it comes to your analog scanner. Don't be afraid to turn it on or say scanning is dead because of encryption and digital. I also said, that you don't just throw out your TV when your favorite TV show goes off the air. You don't stop reading magazines because your favorite publication went out of print. You don't stop listening to the stereo because your favorite band broke up. Just because your favorite agency went encrypted or digital doesn't mean you're done with the scanner radio hobby. There is so much more to listen to than just that one agency that you can no longer listen to. You got to roll with the punches and keep going and keep going with the hobby. And that's, again, what this podcast today is all about. Dusting off the old analog scanner and using it for something to help you keep enjoying the scanner radio hobby. I've got a box full of analog scanners ranging from old crystal days all the way up to Trunk Tracker 3s. And again, I got a pile of Trunk Tracker fours, which become digital scanners. But again, this is everything you could do with analog scanners. So, number 10, the one that almost didn't make it on the list, 
you can add a discriminator tap into your analog only scanner. This is why I'll tell you at the end why it almost didn't make it on the list and why I have a bone to pick with this one. So a discriminator tap is basically right before your scanner will add audio filters and amplifiers that changes the way that the raw signal is outputted. Let's put it that way. It's the simplest way of saying it. You can, as the name just implies, you can tap into the discriminator. Baseband audio, raw audio, unprocessed, unfiltered audio off of the board, off your scanner. You can take this audio and route it into your computer and use it to monitor control channel trunking. Send it to DSD Plus to listen to P25 and NXDN and DMR transmissions. This is how, back in the day, we used to do things. If you wanted to know what was going on on a trunk system, discriminator tap. If you wanted to look at, I can't really say paging, but if you want to look at other things such as AIS or anything like that, that was a digital mode, even packet radio in the in the amateur radio world, right? Discriminator tap. Well, you'd run a TNC in, in, the, in amateur radio. But still, the raw audio off the scanner before it got processed. There's a whole pile of magic you could do with that audio tap. So if it's something you still want to do, you can still do it. You can still tap your scanner and run it into software instead of going out and buying software-defined radios. Heck, if you've got the skills and you've got a box full of parts and you have old scanners, you can save yourself the money and not buy software-defined radios, learn how everything works, run it through your, your, your sound card, and then just run the end result software. Like I said, we used to do this almost on every radio we owned back in the day. And a great website to find out how to tap your scanner is actually called discriminator.nl. Now, you may have to go to the bottom of the screen and change the language, but the information is all there. Sometimes it's just a pad on the board. Other times you actually have to tap into a leg on the IC. So it's not super easy depending on the radio we have, and it's not super difficult either, also depending on the radio you have. But today, with the birth of software-defined radios, it is a whole lot easier just to do everything with a software-defined radio. This is why I have a bone to pick with number 10. It's a great way of repurposing an analog scanner. But on the other hand, I feel at this day and age, this is where software-defined radio is making discriminator tapping obsolete. It's a fun part of the hobby, but it's not really something we have to do anymore. So if you like to tinker, if you have old radios, if you've got time, if you have a drunk drawer full of everything you already need, you have an afternoon, tap some radios. It's fun. It's very interesting to see, hey, I turned this radio into something different. However, if you just want to get it done and you want to look at software-defined radios, I plugged it at the beginning of the podcast. I'm going to plug it now. We have a free course at courses.scannerschool.com where you can learn how to set up a software-defined radio. Find out if that even for you. We'll get you up and running in an afternoon. And then if you want to continue, we have a paid course that continues where you've left off. 
Again, everything's over at courses.scannerschool.com. So there you have it. There's 10 ways you can repurpose your old analog scanner. How do we do? Let me know. Do you have any other suggestions that you can use with a analog-only scanner? Let me know. Go to scannerschool.com slash session 181 and leave me a comment. You can go on to our Instagram account, Facebook, or even follow us over on Twitter and let me know what you think about today's podcast and give me suggestions that you may have on what you can do with an analog-only scanner. And maybe if we have 10 more things, we can come up with another podcast. I'm actually surprised this one is as long as it's going. I thought it would be a lot quicker of a podcast episode than this. So, again, the purpose of Scanner School is to teach everybody we can about the scanner radio hobby. I can't do it without your help. So please share the podcast with somebody that you know right now who is struggling because they have digital in their area and they're discouraged by it and are ready to take the analog-only scanner and put it in a box and forget about it. Share this podcast with them. Let them know there's 10 things that they can do right now with the analog-only scanner to help them enjoy it for many more years to come. Please subscribe to our podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching this over on YouTube. And also don't forget to sign up for our, our weekly newsletter over at scannerschool.com. I want to thank all our Patreon supporters. You can help support us by going to scannerschool.com slash support. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all again next week, 73.